So this morning, um, if, and I never, I did not grow up in a uh, traditional uh, Christian church where they celebrated what they would call the, the Lenten season. You're like, Lent? What? I don't have any Lent on my shirt. Uh, you know, and I would, my neighbor, something like, oh, I gave up such and such for Lent. And I'm like, why would you do that? I mean, I didn't, never understood that. But but I'm kind of using, I'm just using the, the, the Lent Lenten cycle, some of these traditional churches have a, a sermon that they preach, a series of messages on certain topics uh, of the scripture. And so I just borrowed the, this one for today, and I might do next week, I don't know, uh, because it was, it was very, it was just, I thought, this is what the church in America needs to be reminded about what real love is about. And just preparing us for Easter, because Easter is about people finding a relationship with God, right? And so we're into that, and, and we want to follow what Jesus says, because Jesus is the Lord. So if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through, through uh, 37, I'm going to read here in a second. I have them, but I'm going to just pray, and if you have your Bible, please use that. There's some in the pew. You also have a phone. Please use that, but turn your phone off. Uh, put it in airplane mode if you can, uh, so you don't get notifications. But let me pray. Father, we love you. Thank you this morning that... The whole worship set was to remind us that we don't have to live in fear, that your perfect love is there for us. And we can run to you, God. And I pray that we would understand what true love really is. And the world tells us what love is. Even our own hearts tells us what love is. But Lord, you are love. And I pray that this morning, as we look into the word, that you will become alive in us and you will speak to us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, welcome today. If you're new to Rockville Assembly, we're glad to have you. And I'm honored to have you. If you've been here for a little bit and you know, we're glad to have you, and you're just here, you don't know why you're here, we're glad to have you, okay? So here we go, Luke chapter 10, uh, I'm reading first out of the NIV, and then I have it in a moment in the NLT, because I want you to read this, verse 25, and I'm going to walk through this, Are you? can you just give me a, a little levity on this today, okay? Can, levity meaning, can you just give me a little space today to kind of stretch this out a little bit? Will you do that? Just nod your head. Will you allow me to speak what the Holy Spirit wants to say today? Okay, thank you. Uh, that's the most important. And then would you allow me, and, and please don't misunderstand some of the things that I say and how I say them specifically. I'm going to be talking about uh, different races and different religions and, and different uh, aspects of love, as the world might say. But I want to bring those into to, to the definition of what God would say about that. Can we do that this morning? So here we go. Luke chapter 10, out of the NIV. I'm going to read it in verse 25. It says, On one occasion... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So you you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, so do this and you will live. Verse 29, he really should have stopped before he went on, didn't he? Verse 29, but he, he wanted to justify himself, so he, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And replied, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of the robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Some verses say compassion. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. 
The next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after them, he said, then I will return. I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And of course, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay? You've probably heard this account. You've heard this parable. You've read this parable. If you've been in church, I have preached this. I don't know how many times I've preached from this, but I want to preach it from a different aspect. And I want you to think about this, okay? I want you to see it the way that the the teacher or the uh, expert of the law, whether he was a lawyer or some say he was a theologian, he was an expert in the Jewish law. And so this this expert was trying to justify himself. He was actually. I mean, can you imagine this? Because we have the Bible, so we know what happens. We know we know that Jesus is the Messiah. This expert of the law, this theologian, was trying to trick Jesus. You see this? I mean, that's what I said. Number one, no one has ever tricked Jesus. Number two, no one will ever trick Jesus. Okay. Number three, don't even think about it. Okay, and so, so, but we we think we're smart. We think we know everything, and we we are humans. We have Google now, and we we're just so smart. We do, we think that we can trick God, right? We think we can make deals with God, and as well, God, really, your word doesn't say that. It says this. So this is what the theologian's doing. He's trying to test Jesus. He's saying, "All right, Jesus, all right, buddy, let's see what you know about the law." And I love how Jesus responds. Never ask God a question if you yourself aren't ready to, to answer some questions. When you ask God questions, he's going to ask you some questions. So, so the, 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 this theologian, this lawyer, whatever he is, maybe he's both, I don't know, he says to Jesus, hey, um, you know, how do I turn, gain eternal life? And he says, well, what do you read? Asking, well, what do you know? And so he reads, the, he says, well, the, the, the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, yada, 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 you know, and then he says, okay, great. And then, and then now the, 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 this theologian is like, I'm going to prove how good of a person I am. Watch this. Um, uh, Jesus, watch. Who is my neighbor? Come on, Jesus. Who, who's my neighbor? So Jesus begins to talk the story. Now, now think about this. Because see, you and I, we know the story. We, we've read it. I just read it to you, right? If you never heard that story, you've now heard it, right? Come on. And then, so now Jesus is about to fillet him. Jesus is about to do, it's the, you know, like the knock-knock joke. Knock-knock, who's there? And here's the punchline. So, so he goes through this, okay? So, so he, he reads it, he, he tells, okay, this, this man was coming out of Jerusalem, going down to Jericho, and, uh, he gets, he gets attacked by robbers, rob him, steal everything, they leave him half dead, he's on the side of the road, and then, uh, a Jewish man comes, and here's where I'm gonna take some levity. A Jewish man comes, you know, a, 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 a theologian now comes, and he sees the man, and he immediately goes the other side of the road, and he walks by him. And then now a Levite, a temple worker, someone who's in, in the church, sees the man, he goes and looks at him, and then he moves on. And then, finally, it says, then a Samaritan, you're like, it's a big deal, Samaritan, big deal. A Samaritan comes and he sees the man, and he, and he does all that he can to help him. He, he puts oil on, olive oil has healing prop, uh, properties as well. The wine, as we know, alcohol sanitizes, and so he, he does that. He puts him in his own car, his donkey, right? And he puts him on the donkey, he takes him to an inn, and he, and he tells the innkeeper, take care of him, here's some money, and if there's anything that you need later, I'll come back and I will pay for it. Okay, he's like, well, that's cool, that's that's fine, but but here's the story. You see, the the expert of the law was expecting Jesus to say, and here comes the expert of the law, the third person coming, and he sees the man and he takes the man. That's what he was expecting to hear, 
But now here's the thing. He says, now let me, let me reread it a little bit, okay? Let me, let me just reread it. Let me add just some, just so you can get where he's at. Cause this, this theologian thinks that Jesus is about to justify him and say, hey man, you, you, you're awesome. And so let me just tell you how awesome you are in front of everybody, all right? So that's what this theologian's about to believe, okay? So I'm still reading it, just a little bit of NIV. I'm just adding some words. Um, it says, so a man was going down from Jerusalem, Jericho, when he fell among uh, blah, blah, blah. A, a priest, a Jewish priest comes along and, and goes down to him and sees him and goes on. Then a Christian comes by and sees him and passes by. But finally, a Muslim sees the man, stops and helps him. I'm trying to just bring us into the mindset. So the Jewish man left him, the Christian man left him, but the Muslim helped him. You see, in our world, some of you know Muslims, some of you have Muslim friends, some of you are afraid of Muslims, some are afraid of Christians and Jews. So the Samaritan was a hated race amongst the Jewish people in Israel. They were half, it would be like you and I uh, starting our own religion, half Christianity, half Buddhism. And then starting and building our own temples and say, if you really love God, you would build, you'd worship here. And so these Samaritans, they took half of, of Judaism and half of, of just some other stuff and they made it up and they said, if you love God, you'll serve our, and of course the Jews like, no, there's only one God and you would have no other God before him. And so you guys are crazy. And so there was this tension. So it's not unlike some of you maybe grew up in a neighborhood where blacks didn't like the whites. Latinos didn't like the Asians. Asians didn't like, or maybe the, the Pakistanis didn't like the Indians, or or a, a tribe that you lived, you know, or whatever, or the Japanese don't like the Koreans, and the Koreans don't like, and the Filipinos don't. I mean, it, it can just go on. Do you see what I'm saying? And so he, this man was trying to justify his living and his limited world, and Jesus saying, "I'm about ready to rock your world because you are limiting who I am. You're limiting love, and you're trying to justify your love." And you see, we live in a world today where, listen, friends, listen, okay? We put limits on love. We limit who we love. I mean, if, if you're not careful, because I'm, I'm going to read it out of the NLT in a second. If, if we're not careful, the world is telling us to hate people. You're Republican, I don't like you. You're Democrat, I don't like you. You're black, I don't like you. You're white, I don't like you. Uh, whatever it is, and the world is telling us, well, you don't vote like me, you don't think like me, you don't, you don't hang out with me, therefore you're a bad person. And that's a lie from the devil, right? We are to love all people. I mean, if you look at our church, we're, we have all people, okay? All political backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. And if you're not a Christian, I pray that today Jesus would meet with you greatly and we, as we talk about his love. But the problem is we, most of the time, we select who we are going to love. Come on. We, we say, I love all those people. I love Muslims. I love Jews. I love Hindus. I love, I love all those people, but... What kind of a neighbor are you? What kind of a neighbor am I? What kind of a church are we? And so here we are, right? Now, are you good? You're good? So let's go to the NLT. I don't have it written. Let's go to the next one that says NLT, the next slide. Do I have it? Okay. One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jericho, Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead beside the road. Here's the next slide. 
By chance, a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed, passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on by the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If, if this bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now here's the question. Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Now so this Jewish man, again, this shows you because it's not in the scripture, it's not in, this, in our account, but Jesus, as he was making his way up to Jerusalem, and before he talks about this, and before he's questioned by this, this theologian, he goes, he's, there's a, a, a Samaritan village. You can read it in the chapter before, okay? This is, this is the luxury of us having the Bible. He's going to a Samaritan village because Jesus came for all people. He sends his disciples ahead, hey, prepare the way. Go out and make flyers, you know, whatever you need to do, get a place so we can talk about the love of God. So they go to the Samaritan village, and the Samaritan villages see them coming and say, get out of here. You are not welcome in this place. Get you, you, you people are sick. Get out of here. And so they, I'm adding a little extra there. Okay, so that that was the feeling. They hated each other. They hated each other. So, so Jesus shows up, tells them to leave. Now, two of the disciples say, "You know what, God, Jesus, we need to call some fire down from heaven on these people." Come on, Jesus, just say the word, and we'll call down fire. And of course, Jesus didn't say, "Yeah, that's right." He said, I, "He rebuked the disciples." Said, "No, no." Now he goes into Jerusalem. He's now questioned. So you understand, even Jesus was prejudiced against by the Samaritans. He understood that. He understood the hate. He understood this thing. And so now Jesus talks, and now here's, the, again, the Jewish people at that time hated the Samaritans. Samaritans hated the Jews. Okay, you got it? If you notice in this account, you notice in this story, not story, you notice in, in the uh, scripture here, the narrative, is that the, the theologian can't even say, when Jesus asked, who was a neighbor? He can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. That's how much they hated each other. He said the man that showed him mercy. And of course, Jesus says what? We all know the account. Go and do likewise. Okay? And so, again, we are taught to love by our world, by our life, and loving others without prejudice is very easy, right? It's not. It's not because, see, you and I grew up in a home that might have a, a had, had a bad feeling, and I, I told you the story, I know I've used the account before, was um, years ago when I was a youth pastor, a long time ago, back in, in uh, 30,000 years ago, um, you know, when I, in the 90s, okay? And so I went into this um, uh, uh, detention center for troubled teenagers, and in the detention center were kids of all races. There were blacks, whites, there were Asians, Latinos there. And, um, and so I was there, and I was giving a Bible study, and I told you this, this kid kept looking at me, kept looking at me, kept looking at me. And of course, I'm not just trying to be mean, because I, you know, I have friends of all nations, tribes. He was Latino, he kept looking at me like, He's looking at me while I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm, I'm giving this Bible study. I think I'm doing a great job. But he keeps looking at me I'm like, what's, what's wrong? Something wrong, you know? And I'm, I'm turning around. Is everything okay? He just keeps looking at me. And then finally, when I'm done talking, I've told you the, the And so he's, he looks at me and he says, Are you Korean? And I'm like, I'm, I'm half, half. Is that okay? I'm half white, half Korean. 
oh, I knew it. I knew that you had Korean. He says, my dad says all Koreans are lazy. So I'm not really sure what, what you're saying. And I'm like, whoa, buddy, back up. All right, time out. I was like, so you're going to judge me by my looks, right? Why? Because he was prejudiced by his dad telling him that all Koreans are lazy. By the way, there are probably some lazy Koreans. Like there are lazy white people. There's lazy all races. I mean, it just happens. People are people, right? Okay? So he, he already prejudged me because of his culture before him. You see where I'm going with this? A lot of times our culture says, watch out for those people. And maybe there was an experience with those people, whoever those people are. Watch out. Watch out for those people. And so now this priest, this is the culture, watch out for those people. And so it's easy for us to say we love people, but it's really hard for us to love people that don't love us. It's easy, right? It's very easy to love people that love us. It's harder to love people that don't love us, and it's sometimes almost difficult to love people that are just downright evil or nasty. Correct? Okay. So here are the couple things, and I'm going to get into it because I want to move on it, is that love has no bounds when it's from God. Okay? And so we struggle with that, and so we try real hard to prove that we love people, we say we love them, but again, basically, you, you prove you love someone by your actions, correct? Okay? And so even now, this, this Jewish uh, lawyer or theologian, his own words, his own words betrayed him. Okay? So, be careful the words you say, because the reality is, and we're going to read this in a moment, you can say you love someone all you want, but if you don't love them, your words will betray you. Right? That was a freebie. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready to see what kind of neighbor you are? Am I ready to see what kind of neighbor I am? Here we are. The first one is limiting our love. Okay, I'm going to go back now to Luke chapter 10, verses 26 to 29. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. You can turn there. You don't have to do that. It's not on the slides. Oh, actually, you know what? I forgot. Please forgive me. Can you go back? I worked hard on this PowerPoint, and it was it has so much data that I couldn't even email it back to the church. This is um, a picture of the old road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And you see two men, they look like Bedouins, and they're, they're both riding donkeys. Hey, check that out. And so this road, if you see, like, it's, there's places where there's, there's ravines, there were caves, and, and historians would say that, that this was... So when Jesus was giving this parable, they could relate because they understood the road from Jericho, which is in the mountains, going down to the plain uh, of, of Jordan, uh, near the Jordan River, and it was dangerous. So in that, the robbers would hide, and, and you travel. And it was if you travel alone, you were you were in trouble, and unless you you know whatever. And so now, hit the next slide, will you? Okay. So this kind of shows, and it's hard to see back there. I apologize, way back there. Take out your binoculars, whatever you want to do. Um, but it so it shows. I'm sorry. Jerusalem here is on this far side over here, and you see the mountainous, and it goes down. And this is the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Okay. That so it's it's high. And then uh, I was going to show you a video from my trip from Israel, but it was all over the place, and we're in the bus, and it was hard to see the road from Jericho. So hit the next slide. So this is the bottom, and this is the only picture I got. Sorry. Okay, this is the bottom. This is now coming out of out of the mountains. That's, if you can kind of see it, there's mountains back there. Um, back there, uh, Mount Nebo, where Moses is buried, and there's the, red, the Dead Sea right there. And this is the road down. Okay, it's desert. All right, all right just want to show it to you. Now go. Okay, I had to show that to you. Show and tell, okay? Limiting our love, all right? You good? Limiting our love, all right? So the question for us, and it's oftentimes, is how little can I love and still be called a Christian? That's what this legal uh, person was trying to do. He was saying, how much, what little can I do, but yet still obey the law? That's what he was telling Jesus. And of course, Jesus asked him, what's the law say? 
So the expert again was trying to, to say, all right, what little love do I need to show people? And the reality is this, if you love someone, you're going to show it, right? I mean, if you love, if you love, it just comes out of your life, correct? You don't have to say, well, I can only love white people this much, black people this much, Asians this much, Latinos this much, Pakistanis, I mean, whatever it is, Republicans, Democrats, you know, whatever. I can only love them so much. It's, it's, if you love and God's love is in you, it's just going to, you're going to treat people nicely. Now, people aren't going to always treat you nicely. That's just part of life. That's part of it. But, so the thing is this, is, and I know none of you do this, but I've heard and I've seen possibly that there are some that call themselves Christians, but they limit their love. I know none of you do that, so I'm good, right? And so, you're like looking at me, what? Yeah, so you're good. So I guess I'm done with the sermon because you, you got this, right? But you see, many people in this nation say they love Jesus, but their lives are far different than what a follower of Jesus would do. I mean, it's very interesting that, that 80% of people say they believe in God, and then, uh, but then they're easy to go out and just, just, just do what they do. Uh, kill people, it's fine. Steal people, it's fine. Lie, uh, you know, disparage people, it's fine. So Jesus was, was attacking, or Jesus actually was challenging the religious expert, saying, you have head knowledge, but how's your life living? You're saying all the right things, but how is your life living out? Do you really love your neighbor? Do you, do you really show the love of God? I mean, if you think about that, that's a tough thing. I mean, what's the love? Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, basically everything. If, if, if you love something with everything, it would show, right? I mean, I see people like during redskin season, right? I mean, they're like, Faces printed, painted this ugly color and this stuff, and and I mean they're like wearing everything redskins, and I'm God bless you, you know. And someday the redskins might win again, um, and and so, but I mean I see people, and I and I told you, you you can talk to someone within a few minutes after you get to, you know you get down to the pleasantries, they start talking, you can tell what's important in their lives, right? And so you and I can say I love people, and this 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 theologian was saying to God, you know, love the Lord God. He's saying, okay, now really, what do you love? What do you love? And he knew because again, don't question God because He knows what's going on in your hearts, right? And he goes and he and he says, all right, let me tell you this story about this this man traveling. So he goes to that. Okay, so how often do we say we love God? We love Jesus, but our lifestyle sometimes, and I'm guilty, this doesn't show the love of Jesus. Right? Come on. That's really not part of the sermon, but that's just really, I mean, if you say you love something, it's going to be there. All right, we move on. Okay, I'm moving on. This is, this is even a lighter one, all right? Here we go. Hit the next slide. I am busy, I have a life, and I have no money. This is many Christians in America. Some of you have money, it's fine, but see, the religious people live by their rules. They wanted Jesus to tell them, and this is what the, this is what the, the, the theologian was saying. Give me more rules so I can prove to everyone else that I'm, that's what he's saying. Who is my neighbor? He wanted Jesus to say, okay, love Jews, tolerate Gentiles, but hate Samaritans. And then he wanted to be able to check off on his list during the day, okay, I love the Jews, I tolerate the Gentiles, but I hated the Samaritans. He wanted Jesus to tell him specifically who to love, okay? And so sometimes we just, we kind of go through our Christian life just barely putting in just enough to get by. I, 
And God bless you, you're here today, right? And I love that. And I love, love that you're here. But sometimes we just, we just do enough of our Christianity. And this is what these theologians were, they're, they're trying to do just enough of the law that they could satisfy the law. And so sometimes this is what we say, I'm busy, I have a life, I have no money, or I'm limited. And so, if a person, if, if you love Jesus, you're gonna love his church. Yeah. If you love Jesus, you're going to tithe and say, praise God, this is good. If you love Jesus, you're going to tolerate Pastor Stan, right? You're going to, you're going to love all people. If you love Jesus when the church says, we need your help, or you just feel led by the Lord, you, if you love Jesus, he will be your top priority. He will not just be a thing that you check off today. I went to church Sunday morning, I endured Pastor Stan, and he talked about tithe. I can't believe it. Mm, that just bothers me. Who does he think he is? I'm Pastor Stan. That's who I am, all right? I'm supposed to bring the Word of God, because the Word of God is living and active. Amen? All right. And so, their first priority would be to prove themselves. Jesus' first priority for us is to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, minds, souls. To love Jesus and to love His ways. Come on, Amen? And so this is what love is. This is this is what he's talking about. This is again our limiting love. We limit how God works in life because we will. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God in heaven just giving you a, just? Oh, I just love you because your race. You guys are from this this country in Africa or this this country in the, in Asia and this. I can only love you guys this much. No, God loved us this much that He gave His only Son for all people. And so the thing is, if we are followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be Christ-like, right? But we limit who we love. We limit how we love. We limit when we love. We love when it's convenient. God loves all the time. The Samaritan loved all the time. The priest wanted to show that he just loved when he needed to. Okay? So this is, this is what it is. So if, if we love Jesus... We're not going to give him our leftovers. We're going to give him the first, right? Just say right. All right. I know some of you are you already ticked off now. You've already you put me off. Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man exchange Give an exchange for his soul, okay? So we must love the Lord. Now, the next one, I'm just going to move on. Your life shows who you love. Your life shows what you love. Come on, it's just that. Uh, your lifestyle shows who, what you love, and how you love. It's just right there, okay? I'm going to move on, because I'm running out of time. Number two, the standard love. And this is what I want to talk about just for a few minutes, so we can build our definition, okay? The standard love. The culture tells us what love is, right? Okay? Uh, each person has their own definition of love. Every one of us have a definition of love, wrong or right, mixed with right. Culture daily tells us what love looks like, and culture tells us daily what a Christian is supposed to love like. Right? They tell us, well, you believe the Bible, and if you believe the Bible, then you should be this way. Okay, it's fine. I find it interesting for people that don't believe in the Bible or don't beloved that God to tell us how we should live our lives out. But yet we fall into it. This whole thing of political correctness, and we're to be kind, we're to be caring to people, but it tells us, they take our word, and they tell us that, hey, this is how you, you call yourself a follower of God, you're supposed to live this way. And so love, love of course, it's, it's, it's sometimes our definition of love is, do what I need to do to make my life happy. Okay, everyone wants to be happy, right? 99.9% of people want to be happy. 
Okay, we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. Those are natural things. But the problem is our world, love is always self-focused. How can I get better? How can everyone make me happy? So this is kind of the, this is the selfish world definition of love. And human love has conditions. If you do this for me, I will do this for you. If you love me, I will. And of course, anytime someone comes to you, if you really love me, you would. Is that really love? That's conditions. And so the world is telling us your love should be like this and you need to do what we need to do because I need to move on, okay? So they believe that God wants, listen, they, they, they believe that everyone, God created everyone. He wants them to be happy. He, he wants them to do what they want. He wants everyone, he wants specifically Christians to accept everyone at their worst and their best and to actually not just accept them and, and talk, but really to accept them and celebrate what they do. Okay? You're going to get me. So, in fact, they will use a scripture. Remember, the theologian tried to use a scripture against Jesus. They will use 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So they're saying... How dare you judge me when God's word tells you to love me in this term, right? Right? Would you say that? Okay. And they say, well, because God's love, you're supposed to love me. You're supposed to accept me even though my behavior is, is wrong or perverted or d- divisive or, or destructive. You're still supposed to accept me because God accepts me. The reality is, and I'm, I'm, cause I'm running out of time. God doesn't accept us when we're destructive. He loves us and he wants to change us through his love. So the world tells us because you love Jesus and you're supposed to love me like this and you're supposed to accept me for who I am because this I was born that way. Do we accept Hitler because he was born that way? Do we accept Stalin because he was born that way? Did we accept Saddam Hussein because he was born that way? Or, or I mean, do, do, would you accept that? That's not normal. But the world tells us, this is normal, this is who I am, so therefore, if you call yourself a Christian and you're, they'll use this standard against us, okay? Do you remember who twisted the word of God to Jesus when he was in the desert? Satan. Do you remember who twisted the ways of God in the Garden of Eden? Satan. So when the world tells us and takes the scripture and twists it and makes you feel guilty and use it against you, you do not need to accept their definition of love. You need to use God's definition of love, okay? So whose definition will we follow? God's or the world's? Well, here's by definition. I have to read it. I'm sorry. Go to the next slide. Is God's definition. 1 John 4. Because I do want to... I just got to build this up for a couple more minutes. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has, has... Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not love God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might, we might live in him through him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, verse 11, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And now, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, 
envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. It always perseveres. Okay, love is not a thing. A love is a person. His name is Jesus. Love is God. God is love. Okay, so we have to put that in there. So their definition of love is do what you can to make me feel good and accept me. And God's love is I gave love eternally and I gave my life so that all people could know me. If you're in me, this love will be in your life because you and I are not able to love like God without God's help. The Bible very clearly says in the Old Testament, our hearts are wicked. And then in the New Testament, Jesus says, bad things don't, don't come out of, from the world and come in and corrupt us. Bad things come from our heart. Who can save us? Well, Jesus. And you see, when you and I accept this love of Jesus, we are changed. We begin to become like him. And our love is found in a person, Jesus Christ, not in what the world tells us. I know this is kind of long. You're like, what, Pastor? You're going to get all this in a moment. I'm skipping through because I want you to get this. God's love is above all definitions of the world. God's love is above our definition of love. God's love is beyond all measure. It is loving. It is forgiving. It is caring. But if I truly loved you and you were destroying your life, I would not allow you to keep doing that. If I truly loved you and you took your car and started mowing people down, I'm going to do what I can because I love you and because I love those people to stop you from doing that. And so for the world to preach at us and tell us what love is when they don't even know what love is, we need to be careful. We don't need to be rude to them. We don't need to be hateful. But we need to say God's love is different than what you're saying. Your definition of love is convenient for your truth. God is truth. There is a standard. There is a way. And his name is Jesus Christ. Okay, you got it? You good? So 1 John 4, 16. And so... Um, and so we know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. So if someone says they're a Christian, they say they love God, then the fruits of God should come out of their life, right? So there's a difference. This is where Jesus was now going after the religious person now. Okay, because I can move on. So the question I always ask for us is what kind of neighbor are you? Love, number three, love is, an, is not a word but action. Love is God. Jesus is, was a person of action. So let me just pick it up again in Luke 10. I hope you're keeping your finger there. Verses 30 through 35. And in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came from came where the man was, and when he... I cut it off. I messed up my notes. And when he saw him, he took pity on him and he went to him and banded his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he took the man on his own donkey, he took him to the inn to take care of him. So basically, I'm going to go there. Okay, I'm going to stop there because here's what I'd say. Okay, love is not always about what you want. Love is not always about what you want, okay? This man coming from Jerusalem to Jericho did not want to be attacked. He did not want to be robbed. He did not want to be left half dead on the side of the road and naked, right? Okay? The priests and the Levite, they were busy. I mean, again, Jericho is a dangerous road. The Samaritan did not want to stop on the Jericho road because he knew there were robbers out, 
Okay? So who passed by the Samaritan or who passed by the man were, were again, the people that you thought would have and should have stopped. Okay? We can't always love the way we want. You'll get this in a second. Let me slow down. The priest and Levite were too busy to stop. The hated Samaritan was the only one that took the time to stop and help him. We can't always schedule our acts of love. Sometimes we must act out of mercy. We can't always, hear me, get service hours for our acts of love. We can't always get a tax break. We can't always get a thank you for our services of love. This should just be done because we love Jesus. And, and please, please get your hours. Please get a tax deduction. Uh, please serve in the ministries of the church. But if you expect the church to always have your activities, then maybe your love is a little skewed. If you have to have pastors stand in the church, schedule when you're going to love people, then maybe love needs to be growing in your life a little bit more. This Samaritan did not want to stop. He, it was inconvenient. Okay, I'm going to move on, all right? Because this, here it is. Compassion is costly at times. Compassion is costly. Come on, it says that, it says, I'm not going to read because I'm running out of time, is that he took the man, he bandaged the man with his olive oil, with his wine, with his bandages, put him in his car. Can you imagine? If you've ever been around an accident, if you've ever been around someone that's half dead, it is messy. You've been in a hospital. When, and I've been as a police chaplain, just as a citizen, I've stopped to help people in accidents. It's not pretty. Can you imagine? I mean, this guy is half naked, and this is naked. He took, puts him on his donkey. He's bleeding. Oh, my upholstery. Can you believe it? It's Corinthian leather. <laughs> You'll get that in a minute. I can't believe. Oh, and he's like, yeah, he he. He stopped. He could have any time been robbed and maybe killed himself. He takes him to an inn. This is They had these inns on the sides of the roads, a hotel maybe. I don't know. Back then it wasn't so much that. He takes him. He puts him up out of his own wallet. He pays for it. And then he says he takes two silver coins to the innkeeper and says, I'll take care of this and I come back around the next time. If, if it costs more, I will pay for it. Compassion is costly at times. Following Jesus will require all of your life, all the time. Loving other people is not always convenient. It's not convenient when you've got to go somewhere and your neighbor, their water pipe bust. It's not always convenient. I mean, just see, this is life. We want to make our love convenient. And I'm not saying you have to stop for everyone. And please pray about stopping on the side of the road today. It's dangerous nowadays. I've seen some of you guys texting, going down 270, and someone's pulled over, and you almost wipe them out. A little joke, but it's a little serious, all right? We cannot always schedule our compassion. Compassion just must be part of our lives. Come on, amen? And it costs us. Loving other people, it costs you time. It costs you resources. You're going to get dirty. You're going to lose some sleep. The question is, is what kind of neighbor are you? Are you a convenient Christian, or are you a real Christian? Letter C, of course. Do you love by words or actions? Again, let me. I've got to read this to you. First Corinthians thirteen one and three. This is the beginning of that. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So my question is, and we're going to get down to the end here, is what kind of neighbor am I? What kind of neighbor are you? 
What if you were the one abandoned on the side of the road? What if that was your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, your child, your grandparent, your mom and dad? What if it was one of them half-beaten, stripped, left on the road to die? Would you not want someone to stop and help them? Would you not stop and help them? Now, please don't get this wrong, and please don't get me wrong. This is not talking about just people on the side of the road who, who need help. Jesus was saying, there are people in your life who have been beaten and robbed by the devil. And they've been left to die. And you are coming along their paths, and you see it, and you shouldn't walk by, but you should help them. And I'm glad we have a homeless one. I love Hamid. I love that we do that. But that's not what, this is not what this is all about. This is about loving all people without prejudice. This is love in action. Come on, amen? Don't you think that this man's wife and kids were glad that the despised Samaritan helped him? Luke 6.31 Do do to others as you would have them do to you. This is not taught today in our culture. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. We're, We're not taught that anymore. And I'm not trying to be mean, but don't be surprised... If no one comes to your aid, if you're not ever willing to help other people. I mean, the, the word is, I think the word has something about you're going to reap what you sow. <laughs> well, Pastor, you're supposed to love unconditionally. You are supposed to love unconditionally. And don't be surprised if you hold back your love if things get held back from you. It's just the way it is. I mean, God does love us, He is merciful. Jesus says to him, Now go and do likewise. Once we've discovered God's love, once it lives in us, we're going to be different. I mean, Jesus was spit upon. I mean, he went into the Samaritan village and they said, get out of here. We hate your people. Get out. And of course, he used them as a good example. He went to the cross. I mean, he, he went through a lot. But he still loved. Remember on the cross, Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And, and we're supposed to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. We need to be careful. You, you needed that, but you should love with the love of God all the time. Will you treat people with God's love? God's love transcends human barriers, politics, race, gender, religions, and socioeconomic classes. If God's love is reality in your life, you're just going to love. No one has to tell you to love. You're just going to do it. Come on, amen? The the lawyer said, how much do I love? Jesus says, just love. So let me talk about this for a few minutes, okay? It's on your notes. Because here's where it's at. The message of the parable for the church today, okay? Who are the players? Here we go. Who, who, these are the players in this. Jericho is the world. The robbers are the devil and his evil workers. Jesus and Christians are the good Samaritan because if we're followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be Christ-like, correct? Okay? The inn is the church, all right? The two silver pieces, yes, are tithes and offerings to do the work of the ministry. The innkeeper are the leaders, the pastors, the leaders of the church, okay? So here's the expectations. Here's what the expectation is. We live in a cruel world that hurts and discards people every day. The devil robs, he tries to steal, kill, and destroy, as John 10.10 says. The church needs to be a spiritual sending place and a place where the victims of sin and the devil can come and be healed. Okay, that's what the church is about. Right? The church needs to be the rescue mission right at the gates of hell. I talked about the gates last week. We're, the church is to be positioned right where the devil throws people off. Instead, the church is 
over here. It's become a Christian country club where you, you're just having your needs met and, and, and you're just, we have all these ministries for you and, and we do this for you and we're, we want to bless you. We want you to succeed and we do and, and we want to do those things, but we want to be about God's business. We want to be that church that is like the Good Samaritan. And, and if you notice that it wasn't the pastor that was, I mean, the priest and the priests and pastors are different. Okay? I'm not a priest. I'm just a man who God's called to be a shepherd of this flock. And so you didn't, it didn't say the innkeeper was walking along the road and he says the Samaritan, the church member, Jesus was there. So through your day, it is not always a church function where you can reach out. You can reach out to people every day of your life. Come on, amen? There are hurting people every day at your work, at your school, your home, your neighborhood. You just need the Holy Spirit to give you a new set of eyes in love and see that there are hurting people and they need help. And the oil and the wine, of course, is Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God. And so, unfortunately, again, the American church has become about entertainment. Uh, it's become an a, a entertainment center. Or it's like a, a, people treat it like a restaurant. Well, I didn't like that sermon, so I'm not going to give. I don't like Pastor Stan, so I'm going to find another church. I don't like those people, so I'm going to go somewhere else. We are a family. You love your family. You put up with your family. Right? I mean, I put up with my brothers, and they put up with me. But we still love each other. Sometimes, right? And so that's the church. The church is a family. And if we treat it like a restaurant, well, I didn't like that, so I'm not going to tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. That's, that's something extra. Well, maybe it's not. Followers of Jesus are to be Jesus of the dying world. It didn't say, please get me wrong, and I'm, I love anyone that comes and they feel, they feel called here, but we're not just to be bringing Christians in by addition. We're to go out and reach and disciple people for Christ. The Samaritan was on the side of the road bringing people in. Jesus said, go into all the highways, the byways, everywhere you can, and bring them in so that my house may be full. So my question is, what kind of neighbor am I? What kind of neighbor are you? What kind of church is this? Are we all about ourselves, or are we just going to love people, whether they're Democrats, Republicans, Independents, whether they're gay, they're straight, whatever they are, they're, they're Asians, they're Latinos, they're, you know, whatever country they're from, Indian, Pakistanis, or whatever, whatever nation they're from, Africans, if I forgot, did I, did I miss someone, island countries, uh, Europeans, uh, uh, Martians, which that's, that's weird, that's not even there. <sighs> we are to love all people, like God. Come on, would you stand with me this morning just for a few moments? What kind of neighbor are you? What kind of neighbor am I? What kind of church are we? You see, those who profess Jesus as Lord and yet were insensitive to the suffering of of the lost people around us gives evidence that either our lives of love, it's tainted, it's been hardened, maybe we really don't love Jesus like we really should. Maybe we've never discovered love yet. If we are not loving like Christ, then we need to take a reflection and say, God, help me to love like you. Help me to be like the Good Samaritan. He was the hated person, but he is the one that showed mercy. Will you go and do likewise? Father, today, the altar time is this. I'm going to call people up for prayer for other needs in a moment. So the worship team, if you want to come right now. But Lord, really, the altar is, I'm not going to call people out. I'm not going to challenge them whether they're a, a, a religious person or a Samaritan. Lord, our altar time is to go out and live the love of Jesus everywhere we go now in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighbors, with that obnoxious coworker, with that with that neighbor who's 
parties all night uh, with that person that just can't stop talking about politics or that person that, that just uh, self-consumed or, or Lord, that person that is destructive. How can we help them to be free of that destructive pattern, God? You have called us to be the Good Samaritans everywhere we go. And so, Lord, we're supposed to bring them back to the end, the church. This is what the church is about. People are supposed to tithe so the church can have the resources to bring healing and to send people out. That's what we're about, Father God. So, Lord, today, help us to be the neighbor that goes and does likewise, God. Let us not limit our love because compassion is not convenient. Compassion is just compassion. We can't schedule our love all the time. We can't set up when we're going to love people. We just need to love people all the time, Lord. So, Lord, would you let this church be the church that it needs to be in this community, in this region, in this world, God? Would you let the church start living the love of God and not the way the world tells us what love is? And, Lord, if if there's anyone in this room, we need our heart changed. Would you change us? Maybe we grew up in in a certain country or neighborhood or part of the country where we were prejudiced against by a certain race of people or by a certain political group of people. Help us today to move beyond that by letting the love of God help us to forgive those people and that group of people, whoever that, whoever they are, Lord. Help us to love like you, Lord God. And then, Lord, help us to then have compassion in everyone. Look at all people like you do, that people that are destructive, they're lost, they're blinded, and that we have an opportunity through the love of God and through the word of God to teach them the ways of Jesus. And now, Lord, let us be Jesus everywhere we go. But before I do that, Lord, before I pray and say amen at the end here, Lord, and pray for other needs, I pray that, Father, this morning, maybe there's someone in this room that maybe haven't committed their lives to Jesus, and they know they need to give their lives to Jesus. They need to confess their life. They need to make him the Lord of their life. They want to give their life, and maybe they're the ones on the side of the road, and they want to be rescued today, God. Friends, the word says that whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Sin selfishness, and of course, Satan. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. So here it is. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I just want to give opportunity. Maybe this morning you've heard me talk about this Jesus. He is the He is love. Maybe you want to accept his love. You've never done that. So with your eyes closed, you say, Pastor Stan, I want to accept Christ this morning as my Savior. Eyes closed, heads bowed for the privacy of those around you. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Stan, that's me. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's me. I want to accept Christ. Okay, I trust that you 